What a privilege to be here. Thank you so much for having uh, me. Thank you for the opportunity to come and see what's happening in Gillingham. And it's just been amazing hearing everything that God's been doing. Even this morning, you'll see how God is just speaking all the time. Some of the verses that have been brought sort of links into some of the stuff um, that I've been preparing. So um, that's really exciting. So um, just to say, uh, there's lots of faces that I don't know, and there's lots of faces that I do know, so it's really lovely to see you. My name is Acacia, as Tony said. I've been coming to Cornerstone City Church for a really long time, and um, I hate to admit how long it's actually been, but it's been, I keep saying over 10 years, but it's a little bit, Tony reminds me the other day how long it has been, so it's been a while, um, and God's done some amazing things whilst um, I've been here and been in Medway, so that's really exciting. And what's really even more exciting is that you guys are a Gillingham community, but I I remember way back when, when we changed the name from Medway Family Church to Cornstone City Church, and we started here, and the size that you guys are today is the like number of people that we had about that, where we started as, Corner, as Cornerstone, and what is God doing? He's doing some amazing things. The communities are growing, we're seeing people saved and healed and growing in their faith, and it's just really exciting. It's just an exciting time to be in Medway and to be part of Cornerstone and the church in Medway as well. So, yeah, so that's really exciting. I've um, So, um, I'm a pharmacist, I work with the NHS, so that's proves lots of challenges in, in its own right as well. So um, so that keeps me busy most of the time as well. So I've just had the privilege of going to Bolivia, just come back from Bolivia, and that's been amazing as well. So Isaac and Annalise and their love, I know they were part of this community before they left, and they, um, it's just such a privilege to be there. So I think we're going to do some feedback and stuff, so you'll see some pictures. Um, just for the record, if you don't see any pictures of me working, it wasn't because I wasn't doing any work. They're just hidden, and no one. To, I was like an official photographer yeah, I was just uh, in the background, just wanted to throw that um, out there as well, just in case anyone's asking. Um, so um, we are looking at Joshua. So we'll just do like a bit of a recap so far. We're looking today, uh, we're going to be looking at Joshua 7. Um, but just as a little bit of a, a recap so far. So um, we've seen that Moses has died, unfortunately. It's really sad, actually, that he never got to enter the promised land. But Joshua is appointed to lead the Israelites. They've crossed over um, a similar sea situation to the Red Sea. They're in the promised land, and they're seeing God move. So the verse, um, verse 6, not verse 6, chapter 6 is a story about um, what God has done. They've um, gone, and they've seen... the. Um, They've seized Jericho as a city. They've seen God move. They've been obedient. And they've um, seen him come through in quite a miraculous um, and exciting way. So that's um, really good. And then in, verse, um, in chapter 6, verses 18, God calls them to be a consecrated people. He says to them, keep yourselves from devoted things for destruction. Do not desire devoted things, lest you take um, anything devoted for destruction, you will bring trouble, trouble on the camp of Israel. So God's given them Jericho. He's given them a commandment. And we're going into um, chapter 7 to see, what, um, see what's going to happen. So I'm going to read um, most of it. Um, apology. Yeah, I know it's a bit of a long, so I'll just kind of fill in the, the gaps of the story that we're not going to read. So um, chapter 7 starts, um, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to, devote, in, to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, and my pronunciation may not be great as well, uh, son of Zabdi and Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of God burned against the people of Israel. 
Joseph sent men from Jericho to Achai, which was near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not make all the people go up there, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up from the people... Sorry, pause. Uh, dramatic pause. Um, and, they <laughs> and they fled from the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as uh, Sebram and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, they put dust on their head and said, Alas, O Lord, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites and to destroy us? And then it goes, goes on a little bit further. So taking up from verse 10. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel have sinned. They have transgressed my covenant and I commanded that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand to their enemies. They turn their back to their enemies because they have become devoted to destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, thus says the Lord. And then um, it goes on a little bit further. So um, Joshua, he kind of starts calling all of the tribes in the morning. And then we'll take it up from um, verse 19. Then Joshua, and then so he's questioning Achan now, so which is one of the tribes. Um, he, he said, then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide from me. And Achan answered, truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I, was, when I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. Then I coveted them and took them and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent and the silver underneath. So Joshua takes him at his word and then he sends some people out. So we come back to 24 and, and Joshua and Israel who took Achan, the son of Zerah and the silver, the cloak, the bar of gold and his sons and daughters and oxen and donkeys, sheep and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought him up to the valley of Ankar. And Joshua said, to, said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. Then they burnt him with fire and stoned him with stones. And they raised a great heap of stones over his remains. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, that place is called the valley of anchor. Whoa, isn't that serious? Um, so yeah, so as we read that, it's very like there's a lot in there, and um, it's like it's quite a serious passage. And uh, the response from God for me was when I was reading it, I was like, "Okay, God, like that was there really a need? Did we really? Did you really have to stone them?" Aiken, you know, Aiken decided that he um, 
He was sorry. So there's a few things going on. So God's angry. He's made a covenant um, with the Israelites. Um, just an aside as well, I found out, like Achan was from the tribe of Judah and I was doing some research and they've got a history of like disobedience and not listening to God. And I thought, isn't it so great how God can still redeem the line of Judah? He says that Jesus has come from the line of the tribe of Judah and he still redeems and he still um, can yeah, use kind of our messes to, to do different things. So they'd sent out spies, so they were a little bit yeah, confident. They weren't worried. They said, don't worry, we'll just send 2,000 um, 2, men. And then they went out and then they, they got scared. A, AI killed 36 of the men, chased them away. And then Joshua falls on his face and he t- tears, his, tears his clothes and he says to um, God, why, why have you allowed this to happen? And then, Joshua, um, then God says to Joshua, get up, why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. And then there's a, a call to consecrate ourselves. Um, and then Achan obviously confesses and then his family um, is destroyed. So when I was reading it, I was just thinking, God, like, well, I, it was a little bit of a moment of, okay, that's really serious. And like, I kind of, I didn't really, I don't, I didn't really understand why it was like, why did God need to stone him? Because he'd confessed and like, I just really grappled with that. Just the thought of, why did it need to be such a harsh punishment? So as I was reading and like delving into it, I've just pulled out some key points. So um, just as we think about um, sin and what happened as a result of Achan's sin um, in Joshua 7. So some of the things that we can see is that Israel was defeated because there was sin in the camp. Um, God had, there was a simple explanation. It wasn't, there was, that was very complicated. It was really simple that there was sin and therefore God had turned his face away from the Israelites and that's how um, they were defeated. And the other thing that, um, that came to me is like, we serve a holy God and we can sometimes get, and he is, he's all loving, he's, um, he's a good father, but we forget the holy God that we serve and, um, and I was just reminded that actually God takes sin really seriously. Um, and in this story, it's a story of, of a sacrifice that's needed for the sin that Achan committed. Thankfully, today, I was thinking I had to explain it and go back into it. But Griff did it beautifully, talked about the law and the fact that actually there has always been a sacrifice for a sin. So back then, there was, it was more complicated. We had to do um, like sacrifices. There was very specifics as to what we needed to do. The high priest needed to do it. He went on our behalf. And in this story, we see that actually, as much as God is with the people, there is always a consequence to sin. Thankfully, today, we don't have to think about um, being stoned. We thank God that he sent Jesus and that Jesus died on the cross for us, that actually we can go through him and we can go um, before God. But actually, there is always a sacrifice that's needed for sin. And that was my reminder in one of this, that sin, God takes sin really seriously. Um, so we'll come back to that as well. Um, but when we think about, so obviously this is a story of, of um, what God does and the consequences in the Old Testament. When we look at the New Testament, we think about the story in Acts of Ananias and Sapphira, um, where they are struck down as well. They, um, they didn't, they were lying and then God struck them down and then they died. And again, I used to read that story and think, oh, God, like, it's really harsh. What are we going to do? Like, if I, you know, but I guess it's the reality of 
that we have a God that is a holy God and he can't be in the vicinity of sin. And we're thankful that we live now and Jesus has paid the ultimate price, but there is always a sacrifice for our sin. But God isn't talking to us as a, you know, you know, from afar shouting at us. He's a loving father. He's getting alongside. He's speaking to his children and he's saying to us, come on, like, you don't need to sin. You don't need to to do those things that you're doing. He's talking to us as a holy priesthood. Bernard brought that verse, and I'll read it again at the end. Um, But we're a holy priesthood, and we're called to be set apart. God called the Israelites to consecrate themselves, and he calls us as a church to consecrate ourselves, to be set apart now and today. Um, Okay. And I just love that bit. I keep thinking about... um, what I'm like, and um, when God says to Joshua, get up, Joshua, why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned, and I just think about that for myself, that as I was reading it, I was, how many, so many times I go to God and I'm like, why, why is this happening, what's going on with this, this is my, you know, this is not fair, this is, and you just have like, we have lists, don't we, of like things that we come to God um, about, and I feel like sometimes God's saying, get up, Keisha, why have you fallen on your face? There's stuff you need to sort out, and I've told you what you need to sort out. Deal with it. Don't just fall on your face. And I think that is the challenge for all of us. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't fall on our face, and please don't hear what I'm not saying, but sometimes we go to God, and God has said to us, actually, there's something that I need you to do. There's a step of obedience. There's, a, there's sin that's happening in our lives. There's things that are going on. There's the wrong thoughts. And God's saying, don't fall on your face. Take that step and, and do something about it. And I know that that's what he's um, spoken to me about, even just as I was preparing for this as well. So, so God has a high standard. The other thing that we see um, in this story is that sin not only affects the individual, but it affects the whole community. Achan's sin affects everything that's happened to the Israelites. Because of Achan's sin, the Israelites are defeated. And I think um, that was the other thing that sprung to mind, is that as an individual, we've got a responsibility, but God is calling us to this to build an, um, a church, a bride, and um, we are called to be set apart and holy. Um, and that means us as individuals have an effect on those around us. And it's not supposed to be a pressure, and, um, but actually what we do as individuals affects what we will do as a, as a church community as well. So Achan's sin had an effect on the Israelites. So, and when we sin, um, it weakens our ability to fight. It makes us weak. We therefore don't feel like we can take things on. Um, and it robs us of our blessing. So there's, like again, like a consequence to sin. I'm just going to read um, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2. And it says, so put away... Just from the beginning, it says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long full of pure spiritual milk, that by if you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones that are being built up into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
that was some of the verse that Bernard brought earlier. I think it was from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is... That's a big challenge, isn't it? We're called as individuals. God loves us. He's working on us individually. But it goes on to say that we are living stones, that we're being built up into a spiritual house. That means what I do affects all of you, and what you do affects me. We're called to be together, be united, be built up into a spiritual house. It says that the church is going to be the light of the world. It's the the answer to to everything that's broken in the world. And I think even more so with everything that's going on in the world when we look around, the church is the answer to so many, so many things. You think about, um, let's just choose like the racism and things like that. Where else do you find people from all walks of life, from different nationalities, from different places, walking together and loving together? In the world, people tend to, to like be alongside people that are very similar. In the church, we've got this amazing, if you just look around, like how many people there are, different nationalities, different places. We don't see that in the world. We've got an opportunity, and god that's what God's heart is, that the church will be this um, place, and we are the living stones that reflects his glory, that shines a light into his heart and what he wants, that actually we should be united together. We should love each other really well. So, when we sin, it affects what we are building and um, and what we're building as a community. And I feel like God wants us to be set apart. He wants us to to be a royal priesthood as well. So that's one of the things. So sin affects others as well. And the other thing was as well, when we look at this story, is that even when we're walking with God, sometimes we can think that sin is something that we, is before we've become a Christian. But actually, sin can happen after we become a, a Christian. And it's around, we, be, we can become saved, and then it's this ongoing process of becoming more and more like Jesus, which is called, the Bible speaks of it as sanctification. So it's always becoming more and more like Jesus. But when we're walking with God, sin can happen. We can all sin, even though we've become a Christian, even though we're kind of walking with God. It's just, it's the, the nature and it's this battle that we're in that we always have to be fighting and then um, be growing in. But we can all sin um, when we're walking with God. And and what I think, when I think of like Achan's, when we go back to uh, Joshua and just look at how Achan, he was, he just got distracted. He, they just won the battle in Jericho they had just seen God move in amazing ways. The walls of Jericho. Can you imagine, like, marching around the wall? I'm trying to think which big walls in Medway. They're, the, like, in, in Chatham and marching around that wall. It's not quite as high as Jericho. But imagine that falling and you're hearing God, you're walking with God. How exciting that would be. And then he just got distracted. He was just, like, coveted the things of the world. He saw some silver. He saw a really nice coat. I know sometimes I get distracted by coats, but um, yeah, like the, he just got distracted, and that can happen to to any of us. It doesn't mean that just because we're walking with Jesus that suddenly that that stuff doesn't happen, and we have to just be alert to it, and we have to be. It says that we have we have this ongoing process of being sanctified, becoming more like Jesus. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to not worry about the cares of this world. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and we love God and we love people well. And that's, it's a hard call. It is a really hard call, but God helps us. He gives us his Holy Spirit and he's not left us on our own to, to do that. So, so I feel like as I was, as I was reading and asking God like, 
what is it he wants to say and what do he wants to, to pull out. I feel like um, he's been saying that there is a call to holiness. As a people, he's calling us to, to be holy. And it isn't a, it isn't a, he wants holiness for us as individuals, but for us as a church, we read that verse and I keep coming back to be a, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation for his own possession that may be proclaimed the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not people, but now you are God's people. You did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. And isn't that just a, like, a really beautiful picture? It's not about a harsh kind of, oh, you've sinned, you've done this, it's really hard. Da, 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 da. Like It's a, come on guys, you've been called out of darkness into his marvellous light. We are called to be chosen and royal and set apart. What does that look like in your life? How does it, what does it look like to be holy in your life? And the reminder that we didn't receive mercy, but now we receive mercy. And thankfully, and it is, the amazing thing is that we don't live back in Joshua's day. Imagine if the consequence was stoning. I think we'd be thinking a little bit more. But thankfully, we've, like, we've got Jesus. Jesus has died. Um, he is the ultimate atonement. Um, he has died for every sin, past, present, and future. We can go to Jesus. We can go into his presence. We don't need a high priest. We can come before God and stand before um, the King of Kings and this mighty God that is a holy God. So, yeah, so I think there's a call to holiness. Um, and when I thought about some of this as well, like there's, um, we're called to just be um, set apart. Um, and when we think of, um, like, sin, it's not, um, we're not trying to do it in our own strength. We're doing it in the Holy Spirit strength. Um, it's never on our own. It's never without people around us. And that's the other thing I thought, actually. We're, whilst we have to do stuff, there's some choices that we need to make as individuals. Thankfully, God puts us together with a community. We, we have DNAs. We've got grow groups. We've got people around us. You've got your community. It's so beautiful today just to hear like everyone sharing like God's testimonies, of, but also standing alongside people where they're, you know, they're really struggling and they're trying to keep like, trusting God through their difficult. And that just stirs faith, that just to be reminded that God's a God of the impossible, but actually I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to walk through this stuff with you. And that's what he's called us into, into a community. It's never about us on our own, trying to do it on our own, in our own strength. It's through um, Jesus and through the Holy Spirit that we um, can have breakthrough in these areas and it's walking alongside, alongside each other. And the other thing is, like, just reminded that God is, God is a holy God. I've um, just been reminded afresh, I think, this week, just preparing, thinking about the holiness of God that we can just sometimes just take for granted, I think. I know that I do that for myself, just take for granted that he is a holy God. We've, he's the lion and the lamb, and the lamb is the ultimate sacrifice, but... I've not seen, I want to see a lion in real life. I've seen him in the zoo, so I need, I'm not sure I'd be brave enough if it was like just next to me. But when you see lions, they're huge, they're like powerful, they're like, like they're not timid at all. And that's who we serve. We, see, we serve a God who is the lion and the lamb. Um, and I remember hearing a sermon about um, God's holiness and 
this picture for me just really just has always stuck with me about the holiness of God. And they said it was like being next to a dam. And when you stood next to a dam, hearing the power of the water behind the dam, knowing that it's so close, um, but then also just knowing how powerful it is. And I thought that's exactly what God's holiness is like. He's close to us. He never says to us, do this on your own. Try to, you know, he's coming. He's saying, come on, Keisha. Come on, Tony. Come on, Bernard. Let's do this. Let's, fi- let's figure this stuff out. Let's not walk in these things. It's like, let's consecrate yourself. Let's be holy. Let's be set apart. It's never in a, in a like, condemning way. But then it's the awe of, like, actually, God, we serve a mighty God that you've flung stars into space. You've created the universe. You've created each of us. You've got such a creative God that we serve. And it's that holiness of, like, of that power behind the dam as well, of, like, okay, God, you are holy. And I think, um, yeah, we can just forget how holy God is. Um, and I just I think um, he wants to just remind us that he is a holy God and that um, there is a call to holiness for each of us individually and collectively as a community. So um, in sort of nearly, nearly at the end, so that's good. Um, so I think we'll have like we'll come back to a time of time of worship and just to to respond. Um, but as we summarise and just look at everything that's happened in the story and just of what I said, I think we just we're reminded that God has called us to be set apart. That we want to consecrate um, ourselves and. One of the um, story, like the songs we sang, I think it was last week at um, Encounter. It was it was that song Matilda brought it. Faithfulness, faithful, holy. Yeah, ho- it started with holiness. Holiness is what I long for. Holiness, holiness is what I need. And there's a um, and then the response is take my heart, transform it. Take my will, conform it. Take my mind transform it to yours to yours to yours and that's our that's our heart cry it's not um it's not a oh god I don't want to do this I don't want to when he says when he talks about sin when he calls it out in our, in our lives it's always because he wants us to walk in freedom it's never because he wants us to hold on to it and to just kind of think oh it's okay well, I can do this because actually sin causes destruction in our lives sin has consequences it causes us to be weakened to the things the schemes of the enemy and when we surrender in that place of of saying god would you transform my heart? Would you help me to see things the way you see things? Would you transform my will? That was one of the things that really stuck out to me last week and even preparing. It's like even not just, sometimes it's not just obvious sin. Sometimes there is, and I think for a few people, there's probably going to, God's going to speak to you specifically about specific sins that's happening at the moment. He's saying, come on, let's just walk away from that. Let's just take a step away from that. Let's go along, get someone to come and walk with you and alongside you. But I think for some of us, it's even, it's our will it's like, God, you know, like, I can stand here and say, like, I, yeah, like, sometimes I look at the things in the world and you, you want it. I'm praying. I'm, this is my, this is not, uh, like, uh, theological, but I'm hoping that there's going to be cars in heaven and I really want to drive a Mercedes. 
And I'm hoping that <laughs> when I get to heaven, that's when it's going to happen. Because at the moment, it doesn't look very hopeful that I'm going to be driving around Mercedes. Plus, if I get a Mercedes in this life, the 20 miles an hour restrictions, there's no point. There's just no point having a nice car and driving around. But I, can, I know what I'm like. I get caught up. We get caught up with the cares of this world. And we fix our eyes. And it's just saying to God, like, actually, I want my will to be transformed into what you've got for me. I don't want to, like, just be chasing that Mercedes and that car. I want to I be chasing what you've got for me. And that might look very different in our lives when we, when we unpick it. But he wants our, our will to be um, transformed and conformed to what he wants. And that's holiness, isn't it? It's, it's a place of surrendering and saying, okay, God, not my will, but yours be done, Father. Not my will, but I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to step out. I'm going to go and see that neighbor. I'm going to, you know, all these things that we, um, God calls us to do. We, I'm not going to, I'm going to choose not to look at those things. I'm going to choose not to, to think those things. I'm going to choose to believe what you say about me. I'm going to choose to walk away from those situations because I know it's tempting and I know that I can fall down. And it is just, a, it's a choice, but it's um, like conforming our will to, to God. So as we, um, yeah, and then the other picture, just to, to the other picture, so that's about our will. And then the other picture I thought, um, and I was, as I was praying, just um, had is, I remember when, um, like years ago, um, had a picture of um, going through, I had like my headphones on and someone had given me um, like a verse and it was like my headphones and I was trying to run through the, tra- like through the trains, um, the aisles and I had these like, this massive backpack on and I had like just loads of bags and I was trying to like I was really excited about the journey but I was trying to run along this um in the middle of the aisle in the train and I'll just get you know if you've got loads of stuff I just kept hitting all the seats and I was just like oh this is really annoying and when we were praying um the person said like God wants you to put all that stuff down stop trying to carry all of this stuff stop trying to carry all this sin all these things all these Martin yeah the things that you're thinking, God wants to give you freedom. And I think sometimes when we, when we think about sin, it sounds very heavy. It feels like, oh, God's like going to, you know, he's going to strike me down and stuff like that. But God's saying, no, I love you and I want you to walk in freedom. And so the picture I had after that was I had no, I had like this little backpack, had my headphones on, I was jamming to some tunes and I was just like able to just run along the, tra- like the train without hitting myself on the side with everything that I was trying to carry before. And I think... That was, again, that's the other picture I felt like God wanted me to share today is that when we think about sin, it isn't a heavy thing, but it's about walking in freedom. He wants us to, to walk in freedom, to know his, his freedom and his grace and his mercy um, in all the situations. So, um, so I think there's like different things. So I feel like there's going to be people in here where God's saying there's like obvious things um, that he's going to be saying to you to... Um, to deal with, to sort of get get prayer, repent, walk away. Um, there's going to be like some specific stuff, and I'll just encourage you to get alongside um, some of the leaders. I don't like there's a prayer team, and um, don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to um, to walk this walk on your own. We, he's put you in this community, and he's got people around you that can walk and strengthen you in in that. But there's some of us where we've been. It's more about your will. I feel like there's um, there's been a mindset of like you've been, you know, you're walking with God, you're going for God, you're 
But there's something about that surrender and not walking, not being conformed to his will. You're sort of still chasing. You're like, okay, God, I'm going to keep running after this, but you're coming with me, as opposed to saying, like, God, I'm going to just surrender my will to you and you take me where, um, where you want me to go. And, I, you, know, you know, the amazing thing, like we can see it in Joshua um, 7, Achan just, he, he accepts it, he repents and he he just acknowledges this is what I've done, and obviously for him this, there's a bit more of a bigger consequence. But for us, when we come through Jesus, we can just say to God, "Look, I'm sorry. Would you um, would you just help me in this?" And so, um, so it, it's through Jesus. It's with mercy and grace, and we're not going to get stoned. But um, He's calling us to be a holy people, to be set apart, to be reminded that we serve a holy God that is not just the, the lamb, but the lion. And God is at work, and he's going to be doing some amazing things in Medway. As I said, look, look at the community. Look how much you've grown. Don't you want to be part of that? Don't you want to be part of what God's doing? And he's calling you out of that sin and stepping you into to something um, more beautiful. Um, that is like uh, that has just brings freedom as well. So I will invite the worship team back up and then we'll go into a time of worship but I just want to end on on this verse and it's it's Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 2 and it says therefore since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So it's for freedom we're set free, and we want to run the race that God has set before us with endurance. We don't want to have backpacks that's going to get caught in the seats. We want to be free. We want to run with endurance, but it's looking to Jesus who is our ultimate sacrifice. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. He went to the cross and he died for you. He died for all your sin, whatever's happened to date, for whatever's going to happen in the future and whatever happens in the past. And we can look to him and it's not in our own strength, but it's in his strength. So yeah, thank you.